0: Are you ready? Ready to transform your life and step into the person that you say you wanna be. Ready to stop talking and start
1: doing. I'm Ange, a health and fitness coach. And I'm Ashley, a Reiki master and energy healer. And we are here to help you do exactly that. And you're busy. We get that, cause we are too. But even with the challenges and chaos, you deserve and can live a life full of absolute joy, happiness, and purpose.
0: We want you to join us in taking radical responsibility so that you can take everything in your life to that next level. Have the best sex of your life. Live in a body that you love. Let go of worry and stress. And live in total alignment. Your happier, healthier,
1: and amazing life is waiting for you.
0: Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to
1: the Transform Your Life podcast. I'm Ashley Grant. I'm here with Angela Hauk and a special guest. We have Jenna Cataletta with us today. So I'm just gonna say, "Hey, Ange, how are you?" I see today you have your stockings up, which I'm stoked about. And welcome, Jenna. We're so glad you're here. Um, tell us a little bit about you, Jenna, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive right in. We know we were just chatting a little bit before this episode how busy mom life is, and um, so we want to keep everybody. Moving along and hear your story and share with our audience everything that you have to offer. Holy smokes, I was looking at uh, your Instagram and just kind of your story
2: and you have so much insight, so much to offer. So we're excited to have you. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Ashley. And thank you, Angie, for having me on here. It's such a pleasure. Um, a little bit about myself. I always introduce myself first as a mother and a wife because that really drives a lot of the work that I do. Um, most of the support that I offer for individuals as well as groups are supports for individuals and groups in a caregiver uh, caregiving role. So if that is a professional caregiver, whether it be a teacher or a nurse, um, or a personal caregiver, uh, a parent, someone that is taking care of uh, a family member. So that is my purpose and really what drives my work. And that shows up in multiple ways. So I call myself a connection coach and facilitator. And I focus on supporting individuals and groups, uh, harness a greater connection to self, their community, and really beyond the community, I would call that a spiritual connection or transpersonal connection. And uh, that is through coaching, uh, energy healing, as well as some other intuitive offerings I offer, depending on the client and what serves them. And really where I was before all of this, before present day was a educator. So I have been a public education Teacher for the last 15 years. It's still a little bit in what I do because I really enjoy supporting teachers and educators in schools. And I found and I continue to find that professional caregivers like teachers spend every waking, almost every waking hour of their heart and their soul giving to the students that they support in the classroom. And What gets in the way of either students being successful or or teachers feeling like they can give from a place of wholeness and connection is how they are showing up and supporting themselves. So oftentimes as what I call soul-led caregivers, so soul-led caregivers, I would define as individuals that from either a young age or even, you know, at 40 years old felt this calling to show up and serve others in whatever capacity that would look like, either starting a family or as a professional or profession, we have a deep desire to do that. And while we are doing that and giving to others, oftentimes, we are asked to give more than what we are receiving in turn. So, that's a little bit about, I guess, me and my heart, and and um, like I said, I'm still working in the education field a little bit. And I remember a long time ago, actually, I I was a special ed teacher for a number of years, and then I was a behavior interventionist, and that means that I played a really special role in the school where students that needed more behavioral support, social-emotional support, kind of the human support beyond academics, I was someone in the school building that could provide more support, more resources, and guidance to teach some of those human skills to students. And I remember one day I was working with a particular female student. She was a fifth grader. And right next to my classroom was the fifth grade classroom. And she came into my class, uh, the student, and she was really, really upset. She was crying, having a hard time speaking. And my first process, of uh, of course, is kind of holding space for her and allowing her to, f- to feel the, the feeling and and generally get to a place where I can help her get to a place where she can get back to class. Well, about five minutes into that, I had, I actually had the fifth grade teacher leave her class and come into my room. And she was livid. She was really emotionally dysregulated. And she started yelling at me in front of the student. And essentially what it was, was what about me? Where am I getting the support? Why is it always about her? Which is interesting. It's, its And I mean, my initial take from it was like shock, shock and all that you would say that in front of the student, that you would leave your classroom to feel like you, you know, you need that, you need that level of support and you're not getting it. But that I feel like in processing where I'm at as a coach and a connection facilitator and an energy practitioner, that was an initial planting of the seed because that like, what about me? Why am I not getting the support really drives me to this day? Like, how are we supporting caregivers when we get to a place of total depletion and we don't know how to take care of ourselves mentally or emotionally? I think we do a pretty good job uh, physically, but even physically. And what are those thoughts and feelings and behaviors under our actions that really drive how we support ourselves and then in turn, how we support others? oh <laughs> that just feels like
1: oh thank you for sharing that I have a teaching background as well I was awesome the, I was in the education system for quite a long time and um, everything that you're saying I was in resources as well so special education they've switched it now to resource here but um, yeah so that's my and my background is child psychology um, as well so that speaks to my soul I've worked with a lot of um, challenging youth, I guess you could say, in my earlier days, and drove why I got into teaching. But it was I, and I see it now as a Reiki practitioner. I see a lot of teachers, I see a lot of principals, I see a lot of parents sending their kids. So it's it's a system that you know it is. It's the child, it's the the teacher, it's the parent, it's the class, right? Um, I was in a similar situation where. Um, again, I was right across, it was a grade one, two class, a little boy who came into my room and that was essentially, there was so much frustration. There was so much love and support for this little boy, but there was also so much frustration because of Mm -hmm. the, the mayhem that was being caused for these other 25 little students, the teacher, right? And then this other little boy who's like his world's falling apart, right? And so it's like squeaky wheel gets the oil, but also... There's some other squeaks happening within the machine, and we've got we to oil those. We've got to support those so that not everything's falling
2: apart all the time, all at one time. So I love that. that yes. Discussion. And you really speak to the need to create a system of care in the community in which that you give for the the people that you serve, whether it be students, whether it be your children at home, it really needs to be a system within that community to care for each other. Uh, And that is just one piece of, right, we would say self-care and sometimes self-care gets this bad rap, or I would say just misconceptions of what it actually is, right? It's not... It's not meant to be selfish. It's not even meant to be done completely on your own. Sometimes it can be greatly beneficial to have time for yourself. That's really important. And we can have a system of care collectively in the community, whether it be a school system or whether it be at home. And I think that's a missing mark with schools is because Oftentimes the administrator comes in and it's like, we're going to talk about self care. So we're going to do this like fancy breathing activity and now you're good, right? Or we're going to put, we're going to put a brand new refrigerator in the staff lounge or like these little kind of like nuanced, like one step toward taking care better of self, but it's so surface level. And I think that's where like, you know, going back to that fifth grade teacher or you're the first, second grade teacher of like, well, what about me? This doesn't cut the surface at all. Mm-hmm. And we know from research when caregivers are coming from a place of wholeness and they can identify, like, I know how to regulate stress. I feel like connected to what I'm doing and I'm giving from a place of wholeness, we know from research that the individuals that they support, it greatly impacts them. And not just, you know, for instance, in schools, not just that one particular student, it's the entire classroom. Um, Caregivers have so much that they can give and so much influence for the, the individuals that they support.
1: Absolutely. And there's so much crossover. And and maybe you can speak to this too, not just in a school setting, but there's so many caregivers. I think of your situation, I think about the situation I was just talking about, there is so many caregivers in that situation, right? So we're expecting the the other students to have care and concern for each other right? You have the teacher who is caring for the students. You've got the parents who are stakeholders in this as well, right? Whether they are the parent of the child who is really struggling or the parents of the other kids, because they're going, well, what about my kid? My kid's not getting what they need because your kid's getting everything, right? And so there's so many, there's so many facets. And like you said, there's that piece of that surface level. Okay, we've given you a breathing technique. We've like, we've addressed this. It feels very isolated and it feels very surface level and I have found and I became that you would go into staff meetings you'd go into your board meetings whatever it was and you're jaded at that point you're like yeah okay Mm-hmm. great great we're gonna learn about colors this year and we're gonna do zone great okay yeah It up. okay we're done with zones now we're moving into uh, whatever right oh now we're gonna do it, it just becomes this like repetitive like oh God, it's exhausting, right? It doesn't actually change, it doesn't shift. So I'm excited to hear what some of those techniques are. And Angie, I want to know what your kind of take on this is. You've got four kids coming and going from your household, right? There's four caregivers right? If not more, if not more, right? With partners and friends and teachers. And so there's so many things. So when you think about caregiving, and I'd love to hear your input, um, because you're working with a lot of kids, and there's a lot of moving parts in your household. So what does that land like for you?
0: What a great question. So I would say that the biggest piece in relation to navigating caring for the system is that we are all child-centered, regardless of our craft, we are child-centered. And right from the beginning um, of my current situation, um, that was very, very important. And what that was, was moving from, personal relationships into our families are a business and in business relationships we keep it professional and we keep it focused on the children first and foremost and the other piece is the self care is in those moments where we maybe don't have our children directly at our homes, what are we doing to fill our own cups so that when the children do return back to us, that we feel as though we are stable, we feel as though we can support them and especially them navigating a lot of transition. But I think it's the time in between where we need to also make sure that we're taking care of um, ourselves. But I do definitely think shifting that perspective away from it being This was, these are personal relationships into, no, our whole system is a little bit more like a business. And with that in mind, the children um, are kind of at the forefront in relation to that. Now, I know you mentioned a little bit about self-care there, Jenna. And what I want to know from your perspective is... You mentioned a little bit about um, self-care systems and I'm wondering what you think needs to be in a self-care system to support that of both the individual and those that might be influenced by that person.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think language is really important. And I I try to stray away from calling it a plan versus like a self-care system of support because plans are easily broken. (laughs) And your self care system of support needs to grow with you as you are changing and adapting, right? I don't know about both of you ladies, but I feel like I've been, you know, like 500 different women this last year. Like we're constantly shifting and growing. And so our self care practices need to be able to have that flexibility and adaptability to grow with us. So just shifting our language from a plan, because when we, write a plan and then it falls apart, usually guilt and shame follow and maybe even self self-loathing. Right. And so I think it's important to change our language. Um, I also think it's important to. Um, so we focus a lot with self-care on the doing. And if you were to typically read a book about self-care or a podcast, or even how to write a plan. It's a lot about the what. So like, I'm going to walk a mile a day, or I'm going to eat these healthy foods this day of the week, or I'm going to take my one minute or five minute mindful meditation every day. And the what is extremely important, because we need to have systematic practices to know what to do every day to show up for myself. And in turn, show up for others that I support as a caregiver. What I find is where the what starts to fall apart is we oftentimes don't get below the surface to talk about the driving behaviors and beliefs and thoughts and feelings that support us with the what. So we may want to do a certain activity But what we really need to do is we need to get below the surface and we need to talk about how are we speaking to ourselves? What does our dialogue within self look like and sound like? How are we being nurturing with ourselves every day that we're showing up and speaking to ourselves, right? If you're having a hard time with a particular practice, thinking about those roadblocks and those barriers are oftentimes limited beliefs. And thoughts and feelings that impede us from those actions. So I would say that's really important when we're thinking about self-care as well. And just shifting beyond the physical. I, I feel like sometimes that's an obvious one. Like, and that is that is your, you know, when you're thinking about maybe using the metaphor of your self-care system of support as a house, right? The physical, your physical wellness is your foundation. So of course, if if you're struggling and, you know, first we want to look at sleeping patterns and eating patterns, of course, right? Um, I find that most of the individuals that I support, whether as an, you know, with energy work, with Reiki or with coaching, is that they're pretty... I would say savvy, they're pretty comfortable with maybe how to take care of the physical body, maybe not so much how to connect with the physical body, how to check in with the, um, you know, the intelligence of the body and seeing what the physical body needs. So ensuring that, yeah, you have a good foundation, but then kind of moving up to other facets of ourselves, like we are we are way beyond just this human physical vessel, right? Like we are spirits in a, in a human body with deep, complex emotions and thoughts. And all of that is energy that we hold within our space. And so being able to look at the, the other facets of self and even self, you know, we would call it the authentic self or the higher self. How are we connecting and nurturing to that part of ourselves, And how is that within our self-care practices? I, I feel like the spiritual one is something that's really caregivers have a hard time with that. And sometimes just like answering a simple question, like, what do you love about yourself? And like, what lights you up? What are the things that you enjoy? And sometimes I just, it takes sometimes my clients a while to even think about that, like, wow, I haven't thought about what I love and like, what lights me up from within. So I think, again, looking at self care from a nuanced perspective, too, and a multifaceted perspective for the individuals that I support is, is really important as well.
1: I love that. I love to one of the things that you mentioned there, Jenna, that I have, just as you were saying it, I have I've seen with my clients, I've seen with myself, even, right? Is when we we focus on that what piece, right? It's like I'm gonna go for a walk every day, or I'm gonna I'm gonna do my my breath work or I'm gonna do my whatever, right? And so it's we get a little charge from the the ticky box, like I did all my things, therefore I am good, right? Versus maybe that thing didn't actually go under the surface. You were just doing the ticky box. And so you got that like, it's almost like, a. I think of it like an iceberg, right? So there's a whole bunch of stuff under the surface and you're doing good things. You're building on from the top, right? Like it's good to, to do breath work. It's good to work out. It's good to do all those things. But if they're not going underneath and you're just doing it because that's what's on your your checklist and you've done the ticky box, you're getting a charge, which is it's good. It's real dopamine. Like it's not, you're not, it's not false. It's not something that you're substituting like a bad coping mechanism or alcohol or drugs or something where you're, you know, like it's not superficial. It's good, but you're not actually dealing with what's below. You're just building on and creating something good on top, but it's not
2: going to uncover what's below. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I was just writing a few notes to capture kind of you know what I was thinking as I was processing what you were saying. And I think like checking the ticky box can sometimes turn into avoidance strategies and behaviors. Like we focus so much on the doing and the doing and we get, like you said, that quick dopamine hit that sometimes we can get addicted to that doing. And it's interesting with like the inner work or going below the Surface. Sometimes I have of clients, or they're just realizing like I may need to dig deeper, but I don't even know where to begin, right? Like I may need to do inner work, but like I'm busy, and I things are generally okay. Like you know, uh, things aren't like the house isn't on fire, but like that that's great. The house isn't on fire, and I feel like for caregivers, like we push ourselves until we get super sick or we build up so. M- so much resentment we don't know how to communicate our needs right so thinking about that inner work and kind of tapping within is definitely a, a set of skills that I think one needs to develop and that's what I love about the being able to use a coaching space and being able to offer energy work because oftentimes Ashley I don't know if you uh see this with your work I believe that whatever is going to, you know, want as an energy practitioner, energy is going to move and shift and come up as it needs to. But I firmly believe that things will come up when the person is ready. Right. When they're ready to to like meet that aspect of self or to look at that deep belief or maybe to examine, gosh, like, how can I improve my communication and show up as a better caregiver and with supporting myself? And so I think the energy energy as an energy practitioner, being able to move some of that up into the surface and then being able to offer like that sacred space of coaching where I can be a thought partner and space holder as someone just gets someone like someone else to that listens to them like like deep empathic uninterrupted listening for an hour and a half sometimes more like that is such a gift and many adults like we don't know how to like listening is a scale that many of us don't do well with each other, right? Like we're already kind of thinking about what we want to say and we miss. And so that is one thing that I really, I just, it really lights me up that I can offer that space for individuals to be able to like actually get their thoughts out and hear themselves speak and get those aha moments and process in a uninterrupted safe container. 100%. I've actually had a couple of clients just recently, the things that have
1: popped up in both of their sessions, they are unrelated sessions, two separate clients, but for both of them, for them to truly tap into their intuition, they need to actually say the words out loud. They don't even need that other person to respond, right? So, So let's say I was that client or if I needed that, if I was somebody who tunes into intuition that way, if I just said like, hey, Jenna, hey, Ange, I was looking at these two cars, and one's blue and one's red. And you know, I'm just, I'm not sure. But you know what, now that I say that, like the blue one, I, I can see myself in the blue one. And you're like, no girl, you gotta get red. I'm like, no, it's the blue one. All of a sudden I just like completely tapped into my own intuition, but I needed to verbalize. I needed to actually say it out loud. I didn't need you to say anything. You can totally disagree with me. I've now discovered my answer. Right, and so for some people, I'm, that is what pops up in their session is like, you just need to say it. And you can say it out loud to yourself sometimes if nobody else is around, but you need a sounding board just so you can get to your own conclusions. Because if it just bubbles around and bounces around in your brain, you you don't actually know until the, the words come out of your mouth and then it's like, click, I know.
0: Interesting that you say that. Yeah. Because in human design, there is a type of intuition that's called sounding board intuition. One of our best friends, Shreena, actually has it. Um, and until it passes through that throat chakra, clarity is not provided. And I will suggest for these people, even just recording how they're feeling and listening to it back, they can hear their truth in their tone. They can hear their truth just by, by using that as their own tool. And for some people, they maybe don't have resources or people in their life that, and be an appropriate sounding board where they're able to speak their truth they might not have a jenna or or an ashley or an ang to come to where they can have that sounding board but they do have that within themselves so either recording it and then listening to it back i find that to be a really powerful tool that uses the integration the design i
1: love that yay did you know that was the thing i feel like maybe you did I, I've, heard, I think I've maybe heard of it, but it's never come up in sessions before. But I did say to one client, I said, "I bet this is part of your human design chart. I bet it's in there somewhere because oh, that does ring a bell now that you say that."
0: Yeah, and one of our longtime listeners, actually, Courtney Wagner, oh. is also sounding more intuition. So, oh, okay. So, hi, Courtney. Hi, Courtney. Good. <laughs> cool. Okay. Yay! It's a thing. <laughs> Love that. I love that. So, Jenna, you're talking a lot about caregivers, but what is something for somebody that's listening right now that they can do to either protect or um, support their own needs or their own energy as they move through this holiday season? We do have that right around the corner, and that's when this episode is going to be live. So, what are some things that they could be doing as a caregiver to nourish and support themselves?
2: Oh gosh, yes. Holiday seasons can be so rough, especially for caregivers. And I just love that you bring it up in this space. Like you bring that, you give it some air and some light because I find that we don't talk about that enough, how brutal the holidays can be. And many caregivers are like straight up survival mode and straight up survival mode to just get through it. So there's not a lot of joy Sometimes for caregivers, as there is for others, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Um, So I would first think about, you know, as a caregiver in the holidays, what are your expectations? What do you want it to look like and sound like? And who are those expectations? Are they actually yours or are they someone else's in your family that have been placed upon you? So just thinking about the ex- you expectations that you have and make sure they match your values. Because oftentimes we put a lot of exp- um, expectations and pressure on ourselves and it's really unneeded, right? We don't have to have all of these things or it doesn't need to look this way. Or we can shift and maybe try a, um, maybe not so much of a traditional approach to the holidays this season. Do, you know, so just being aware, I think of your expectations, um, energy awareness I think is huge it's huge generally especially for the holiday season so I'm going to speak to it generally and then I want to circle back to the holidays I think so for caregivers we're we're from and I'm going to use that word soul like soul-led caregivers. So our soul has driven us to a place where we are asked to be a caregiver and that we could even say like, you know, spiritually, as that's part of our contract or maybe even some karmic relationships that we have, like we're driven to this place now. We know it feels so good to give. And so with that, typically we're wired to give and even uh, socially Like we are conditioned to give, sometimes even from a young age. If you played that role as a caregiver, I know I have within my family uh, as a child. What we don't tend to think about is how we receive. So energetically, we are sometimes giving from this place of depletion, right? And it's this insidious habit of like giving, giving, giving. And oftentimes as caregivers, we're giving energetically from the heart chakra. So we may have like this over activated heart chakra, but like our lower um, chakras or our lower aspects of consciousness may be completely depleted and unbalanced. And so thinking about, how are you giving and how are you even more importantly, how are you receiving and simple things of like where in my current day without changing anything in my routine, am I receiving energy and am I putting maybe blockers to that? If You know, I get this like warm, loving hug from my child. And she says, I love you so much. Thank you so much. Or someone gives me a compliment. Sometimes we unintentionally kind of not physically push away, but like, oh, it's no big deal. Or maybe we're not even the space to receive that. So for me as a caregiver, like I, that is something that I've had to really work on. And I, and I declare this intention to the universe by saying, I receive I receive while I'm in that space and I'm feeling that receiving energy and I feel it come into my energetic template and my body and or someone gives me a compliment and I just say message received. Right. So thinking about that for the holidays, like how are you still in a space where you are still receiving energy, receiving help? Oftentimes, our family members, they want to help. Even kids from the youngest age want to help. And that's what a community of care does. We come together and we support one another through feeling like we have a sense of belonging and value by the way we uh, have a purpose, right? So giving others, uh, our family members, uh, jobs and opportunities to help. And I know that takes a little bit of planning on our end as caregivers, but that can be greatly beneficial for you. It lessens your load and then it supports the individuals in your family too, because they feel that sense of, oh, I'm needed, I'm wanted, and I contribute. Uh, And then, yeah, just take it one day at a time. You know, I, I felt it so much this weekend. I actually... I traveled for work and I came home and I I felt a lot of anxiety with December 1st. I'm going to be honest. Like, I didn't do my holiday cards yet. You know, the the tree isn't up. I haven't done yet, 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 yet. Just giving yourself time and space and grace, a lot of grace y'all just to take it slowly one step at a time and really be nurturing with yourself and how you're speaking and showing up for yourself during, during these times.
1: I am going to use that. I receive that because that makes so much sense to me. When you said that, the thing that popped into my head, and it sounds maybe a little bit ridiculous, but I have to do it, is there's been times when I've left my like curling iron on or my, my straight iron, like my flat iron. And like we've had to like turn around the vehicle and we're like halfway to where we're going. I'm like, I think I maybe left the straightener on. Kim's like, no, you didn't. I promise you. Like, do you think you turned it off? I'm like, I think I turned it off. He's like, but we turn around and, you know, nine times out of 10, it's off. But now I unplug it and I literally say out loud to myself, straightener, unplugged, curling iron, unplugged, so that it like registers in my brain versus me just being like, yeah, I did that. I think I did that. I literally say it out loud. So I'm going to bring in that I've received and say it out loud. The other thing that popped to mind when you were talking about that, it's so interesting because... Just from a like female energy, male energy standpoint, typically it is more feminine energy that tends to be in the caregiver role. Typically, not always, but typically. And interestingly enough, the way that that's supposed to balance out is that we are actually just anatomically, we are designed to receive. We are, right? Like, I know, right? Men give. Right? They have like they have the gear that's the the giving. and you as yep. men, we are the, the receivers of that, right? Um, that's why you think about like that double standard of like daddy's little girl and like she'll never date and whereas his little son like, yeah, go get him pal. like it's good. It's because it's that difference between being the giver and the receiver. right. And so it's interesting as we talk about male and fem- male and female energy, that's the balancing point of that like feminine as like, I'm speaking to our female listeners, mostly, mostly moms, mostly if you're a mom and you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I fucking do everything for everybody all the damn time. I'm tired. Yes. Fuck, I'm, tired. Yes. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, sister. I'm talking to you that we are designed yes to give, but the reason that our like physical anatomy, we are designed to receive right? And that's why, even when it comes to that, like, place of passion or place of intimacy or sex, we push that away. If we give too much of ourselves, that is the first piece we push away, because we don't percent being able to receive, to receive pleasure, to yes. receive joy. We literally shut it down. We're like, nope, I gotta take care of everybody else. Duty, like, tidy house, laundry folded, that's all. like, we gotta do that, but I'm not here to receive, I'm here to give and do. And so it's creating that
2: balance. And, and it's so funny, it, sometimes we we treat sexual intimacy with our partners as a to-do list, the ticky box. I had a neighbor one time that's called it an oil change. It's just like an oil change, you know, you gotta do it every once in a while. And and it's it's yeah, when we think about anatomically speaking, and we receive that energy from a male presence within our womb, right? That we are anatomically meant to receive. And I just thinking about as women, typically this is another one. When we think about kind of circling back to what we were talking about with self-care being the what and the doing, many women are putting self-care into using masculine energy for self-care, when we really need to be using the feminine, the divine feminine energy within us to support ourselves. And that is more nurturing, more receiving, more slowing down and just being. And that's really, really challenging. And for most you know, girls to women, we are socially conditioned to do the exact opposite. In order to, you know, in order to live in a quote unquote man's world, we kind of have to like emulate some of that doing energy. And I think it's important we can have both. We need to have both. We need to have that masculine and feminine feminine energy or the yin and the yang, right? Or the doing and the receiving, whatever language you want to use, there needs to be a balance. And for most women, we are incredibly still in the doing and not receiving, uh, not as much receiving.
0: Jenna, I was looking through your Instagram, and you have something called the BAM, B A M, and I think it would be amazing for
2: you to share that. Yeah. So, um, uh, BAM stands for bare ass minimum, and I actually, I, I actually came across this. from I went to a self care for educators conference a few years ago. And um, I forget her name, but she talked about BAM days and really thinking about not when in your self-care system of support, there are going to be days where they're just BAM days where you're doing the bare ass minimum. And so we can think of them as survival days. But I kind of liked BAM days, too, because you can feel that energetically. You wake up and you feel maybe depleted you know you need more rest, but you don't have time to rest, right? Or maybe you have a little bit of time and things energetically just need to look different for the day. You do less and you prioritize slowing down and how to fill your cup first and your family's cup too, because usually if you're filling that, your family is energetically going to feel that too. So for instance, if I travel for work, if I'm doing connection coaching in a group space, say like in like a public education school, when I come back, my family knows like 24 hours band-aid for me. Like I'm on the the couch quite a bit. um, And I am really connecting in with like energetically, what do I need physically to be back in this space Uh, sometimes I really focus on making like slow nourishing meals. It really just depends on the individual, but I think the band days are key because that gives us a better understanding of like, I just need grace, like for myself and for my family and not every day is going to look and sound the same. I mean, goodness, we're not robots, we're humans and, and yeah, band days are so needed.
0: Love like, I love that. I love the language. I love the energy of that acronym. It's just beautiful. So It's,
1: it's permission. Uh-huh. It's just full permission.
0: And just communicating that, right? Like, Ashley, can you imagine the power of like bringing that language into your home? And I know that you already do days like that, but I could see that being um, a powerful practice for you and your family as well.
1: Oh, she's coming in. <laughs> the thing that I know will happen is that my kids, when I'm trying to teach them, they're like, mom, I just need a BAM day. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> right? so, um, Which I, love. I love that they will, they pull so much of the things that we use mm-hmm. and it gives them permission to use it as well, right? To to tune into what's going on for them. So yeah, I, that's totally...
0: It's not you like being... Um, Jenna might not know this, but Ashley homeschools her kids. And so even bringing that into your school system, right? Today is Bam day, right? With that learning and, and maybe leading to that. I love that.
2: Yes. We might have a band week. Oh. Is that okay? Can I just check oh. on that? Yeah. Is it okay? That would be up to you to decide that. <laughs> oh. I love, I love the idea of utilizing that kind of self check-in. I do that a lot with my clients, like I teach them how to do just energy awareness practice, where they're checking in to see energetically where I'm at. And what do I need for the day? What do I want to feel and doing that with your family is really beautiful. And I almost kind of envisioned, I don't know, Ashley, if you use something like this in in the classroom, when you supported your student, like an emotional check in, you know, like, which emoji describes you or almost like an energy level kind of uh, system and like at, at the bottom is just bam like this is where I'm at and this is where I'm going to be because what what's below bam is a sick day instead of a bam day like your body will your body will shut down and then you're you're really at a, at a point where you can't function so with bam days you can still function you're getting through the day you're just giving yourself really and I love the idea of giving yourself permission to really do what you need to do I love that
1: yeah you're either going to take you're either going to Get, you're going to take a, a damn day or you're going to get one, right? Like that is yes. like, sick. And our household has been down and out. And Ange, I know your household. And it feels like everybody around me is kind of like, they're just getting that flu bug or the cold or just, that's why I sound so beautifully raspy today. But you, if you don't take it, you're going to get it. So it's, it's easier to do when you're not puking. <laughs> I find, I find it's a whole lot easier to do when you're not like, throwing up or sick or, you know, forced into that kind of place. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Energy practice with our audience. The check in that you say take your um, clients through. Are you open to
2: that? Yeah, I can share as much as I can through just auditory. It's a one page document. You know what I can do is I can share the document with you. That would, that would work. Um, So originally, this practice was designed to do after you do some kind of self-care technique. So say like after, you know, you're implementing a five-minute mindful meditation and you do an energy awareness uh, practice check-in just to see energetically where you're at and what you're feeling and experiencing. I find that it's nice. So it's good to do that after some kind of practice because you want to be able to gauge was it effective or not. If I do it, if I do some kind of practice to support myself, and I don't feel any kind of shift, I'm still incredibly anxious, That's you know, then leave it. So it's twofold. It's doing, uh, you know, um, the energy awareness practice, after some kind of technique that you're utilizing to support yourself, as well as just pro, um, proactively in the day. So typically, before I and I usually put it in tandem with my meditation, because my medit... My daily meditation is something that's pretty sacred for me. I mean, I'm, we're talking one to five minute meditation, nothing big. And I, I will do the energy awareness practice before. And simply what it is, it's closing your eyes and you're, you're noting what you are physically feeling in the body and you are seeing and you are, so it's a feeling, it's a scene Do I see any colors around me? Maybe I don't. I tend to not see as much colors. Sometimes I close my eyes and I don't, I I would say I see less colors than I do. I know some Reiki practitioners are really clairvoyant. Me, not so much. I tend to be more of the clairsentient. So the feeling, I'll feel in the body and around the body. And then just a general kind of like What are my thoughts and feelings? And you do this, you map it out visually. So it's really cool. Um, So you would draw um, around, you know, there's a kind of a diagram of a physical body, human body, and I'll kind of draw how I feel my energy. So does my energy feel really low and tight to the body? Does it feel really expansive? Does it feel... Tingly, where does it feel tingly? I'll note that. So if I'm feeling some tingling in my heart or my belly, some tightness in my belly, I note that. And then from there, once I note that those physical attributes, then I am writing down maybe thoughts like or sensations that are connected to those uh, spots of the body, because I believe energetically we hold emotions in the body. We hold thoughts outside of the body, too, especially if they're on repeat. So it's this nice way of checking in uh, around the body, inside the body, and just noting it. And it's really fun because it's supposed to be playful. We're not supposed to really think about it, you know, like use our like prefrontal cortex and logically like it's a way to tap into intuition, which I love. So sometimes I'll do it and like, no, I didn't really see brown on the left side of my body. Well, heck yes, Jenna, note it. That's what you saw. So put it down, that kind of first gut reaction of what you see, what you're hearing, and what you're experiencing. And I find that doing that EAP or the energy awareness practice can really help guide your day because you're going to see a snapshot of what maybe you're carrying that needs to be released. Or maybe if you're feeling really big, expansive energy, you know that you can check more things off your to-do list, right? Um, If it's really tight and uh, conflicted, then you know, hey, it might be a BAM day. So that is the energy awareness practice technique. And it typically takes anywhere from one to five minutes. And the tools you'll need are just, you can do it without the paper, but I love the paper because I'm a, I'm a visual learner. And so I love using a little bit of color if I see it and just kind of playing around in that space of improving my, my self-connection and my intuition. So I'll send that to you for sure.
1: Awesome. I think that'd be cool to do with kids too. Cause they're so yes. They're so right. They they don't they don't get in that like prefrontal cortex where they are like, oh no, I didn't see that. It's like, oh yeah, that was a good one. Or right? Like they just they're more open in that respect. So amazing.
2: And giving them that space to honor what you saw, not having to as adults, usually whatever kids say, sometimes we want to shift it or we want to change it or we want to tell them the reason why. And and I find oftentimes I haven't done that with my daughter actually, but my my daughter is a lot is is very clairvoyant and she tends to see energy. And sometimes she'll say the most random things like, "Oh, I actually just saw green around you just or or you know we're outside and there's this kind of color and it's, oh that's really cool. You should write that down, you know and and kind of and either. Oh, creating a space of just general inquiry and curiosity for what they're seeing and they're experiencing and not shutting it down. Because for many of us, it was shut down at some point. And now we're trying to get some of those, like, you know, a deeper intuitive connection and some of those Claire abilities back. Right.
1: Absolutely. Mm. So Rachel, or uh, I almost called you Rachel. I've got a girl who's texting me right now, whose name is Rachel. You're not Rachel. You're Jenna. So Jenna, one thing that I want to talk to you about is Reiki. Reiki, mm-hmm. Rachel, Jenna. So when it comes to how you facilitate that in your practice, what does that look like? Because you you offer you offer coaching, you offer Reiki. So for somebody who's listening and they want to connect with you. Can you take us through what that maybe looks like or how you support somebody who's maybe come to you and says like, hey, my world's falling apart. What do I do? (laughs) What does that look like for the person who's listening and maybe wants to connect with your services or is thinking maybe I do want to do a Reiki treatment or, oh, maybe I want to like connect and get some coaching or what does that look like?
2: Absolutely. So I I really enjoy this space of coaching and, and Reiki together. And I'll talk about that, you know, potentially what that could look like and why that's unique and can be helpful for um, either present clients or future clients, individuals in need. Um, I can provide energy healing, utilizing Reiki and my own intuition, either in person or virtually. So um, that could be um, like I said, in person or virtually could be either having the individual on the phone or even on the computer with me. Uh, or sometimes it's, hey, I need, I need some Reiki before bed. And I just want to get into that space of being in, in bed. So the really cool thing about Reiki is that Reiki is, um you know, since we live in a quantum reality, Reiki is energy that can move across time space continuum. So we can go to past future selves and present selves. And you don't have to physically be with each other to bene- receive the benefits and the healing benefits of Reiki. So it can, for sure, uh, distance Reiki and then in person, I tend to do a lot of my energy healing, actually in combination with an integrated method of coaching. So whether that be starting initially out with like a half hour of coaching, and then helping client get to kind of a deeper meditative state, either lying down or either sitting up comfortably, and providing some Um, energy healing through Reiki, and then slowly kind of coming back to space and processing and see uh, thoughts, feelings, and what came up during the session. So I find that the the connection coaching and the energy healing really helps support a deeper connection and and healing experience. And I kind of go back to what we were talking about, being able to utilize the throat chakra, sometimes We feel things and we experience things, but we may not be able to, we may not process them. So kind of being able to process it in a coaching space, like what did actually come up for you? Where did you feel energy, either some tingling or tightness? And let's explore that more. What could be there that was just being released, right? Let's name it. So yeah, just a little bit about how I integrate Reiki into coaching and then can provide it as an offer if if individuals just want energy healing as well and not the coaching, I provide that as well. Beautiful,
0: awesome.
1: Well, thank you for being here with us today, Jenna. It's been an absolute treat. Is there anything, Ange, that's lingering or bumping around your brain that you just need to ask this divine soul? I came across Jenna online and I was just like, that girl. I don't know, but I need to connect with that girl. And as soon as um, Ange saw you too, she's like, yes, we need to connect with her. We need to see her and chat with her and pick her beautiful brain. So um, yeah, that's my little snippet. And I'm so grateful you're here. Is there anything else that you have, Ange or Jenna that you want to offer um, for our listeners who are listening here? Um, Just want to make sure we've covered it all before we close off the call
0: have two little things. One of them is a curious question, Jenna, because you said y'all. So I'm gonna ask that you don't live in Canada.
2: I don't. It's so funny. I just I actually just started using y'all a little bit more because I realized I say, do you guys? Like and I and you know if I'm even working with women, like they're not guys. So I find sometimes y'all is a is a way to talk about a community. I, I actually live in Arizona. So um, yeah, I don't live in Canada. I I live in Arizona. It's not a Texas thing. I don't even think it's a, it's a Western thing. It's just a way of an inclusive, like, like inclusive community practice for me with my language. I love y'all.
1: And Angie and I were, when we go south, oh,
2: I love y'all. I I love ma'am. I love, I love it all. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you all, you're talking about you all in a community and, you know, you put it together and y'all like we like, like we do. We shorten everything, right? That
0: was my question. And then my final question is, Jenna, where would you suggest that people come and connect with you? Is there a particular place you like to hang out? Some people love to be on Instagram. Some people are TikTok. Some people want them to go, go to their website. What would be best to connect with you?
2: Totally. So I would say either Instagram, I am consistently pretty active there as far as social media or my website. And I believe you have both of those, right? Angie, to share with your listeners. And Ashley. Yes. Yeah, you do. Awesome. Yes. So you can reach out either way through that or email.
1: Amazing. And we have one final question. And And you yeah. always ask the final question because it's your question. She came up with this question and it's brilliant. So, And one last question for the beautiful Jenna.
0: All right, my dear Jenna, how would you like to be remembered?
2: Oh gosh, that's such a loaded question. You mean in life or on this podcast? When you die, what do you want people to remember? Oh. Um, I want to, I want people to remember Jenna as a heart centered, passionate soul who gave everything that she had spiritually, emotionally, physically to support the human collective. I want people to remember my uh, sense of humor and my big smile and I think my great dynamic dance moves that sometimes I randomly do when I get happy. Yes. I, that's, that's how I would like to be remembered.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, on your way. With that. I want to thank you for coming and sharing all of your wisdom. I want to thank the universe for divinely connecting us together. Mm-hmm. time and space. I want to wish you a happy holidays and all of the best in all the things that you do. And I hope that we get to cross paths, not only in this moment, but in the
2: future. Absolutely. And I just want to echo back that energy to you. Thank you, Angie. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you for reaching out to me. And I've really enjoyed this time connecting with you all today and your listeners. Mm-hmm. Y'all
1: have a good night now. Mm, I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Next time, I got a feeling. It's going to be in person. I got a feeling. I got a feeling. I'm
0: going to go to Arizona. I feel like we got I'm ready. ready. Arizona.
1: Okay. We're coming, girl. This is... I,
2: yeah, I got space.
1: I'll, okay. Okay. We're coming. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, universe. We love you. Okay. All right. That's all for now, everybody. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We want to thank you again, Jenna, and uh, bye for now.